This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I'm just going to keep guessing what you might be doing. Maybe going out for breakfast. You know, maybe uh, perhaps maybe, maybe some run, exercise before the snow. Running some errands that you were going to run yesterday, that but stores be. were closed because yeah. it was Easter, right? Well, some well, some were open. Do some uh... <laughs> Cub Foods was busy by me. Tar- Target Cub Foods open. on a Sunday is a huge mistake on your part. Well, I didn't go. I just drove okay. by. Costco and Cubs. Stay away on Sunday, Wednesday afternoon. That's the time to go. Right. Thanks, Judd. Life tips from Judd Zogo. Oh, Appreciate I'm good. That. I got plenty yeah. of them all day. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Dozier on the first pitch. Lifts it high and deep to left. And gone a home run. Got it. There it is. See, I told you. A brilliant three-hit shutout for Jose Barrios. He had a great day. Um, you know, a lot of strikes. Um, Changeup, I, I thought, you know, was really a good pitch for him. Uh, yeah, he was just he was aggressive. It was, you know, I'm sure it's a good feeling when you when you got some runs on the board. Uh, and uh, you know, we just kind of were going to ride him and see where it went. So, what if Jose Barrios has emerged into not staff ace territory? Because like the Orioles staff ace is like staff ace. I'm not interested in staff ace. Yeah, yeah. Staff I'm interested ace is nice. in league ace. Mm-hmm. There's like 15 league aces. Not every team has one. Mm-hmm. What if yesterday was Jose Barrios emerging into league ace territory, which he is capable what of? What was fighting. the, uh, uh, write that down, Twins prediction I, I gave you last week? That Jose Barrios is going to be the man? That Jose Barrios is going to indeed be, like Carl Anthony man. Towns, the man. No, I think I told you that uh, that last year in the American League, there was something like three to five pitchers who had an ERA of three or under. And I said, I firmly expect, if the Twins are going to be successful, that Jose Barrios will be among those pitchers. If well, Jose it's, a, Barrios, it's a good way to start. His it, ERA is really yes. good right now. It's definitely it's below really three. Good. If Jose Barrios has emerged into an ace, you are talking about a a Twins rotation, which is the best rotation in, I, w- I don't recall how long now. Does it also scare you, though, Potentially, that at least. he hasn't had Tommy John surgery yet? <laughs> like... He's probably going to need It's an inevitability that I just point. don't want to think about. No. How about I know, that? It's, it's I a buzzkill, but It's he... probably going to happen at some point in time. I just prefer yeah. not, not to cons- consider that. But if you've got if you've got uh, Barrios emerging into a big league ace, uh, Odorizzi pitched fantastic on Thursday. And let's say he's a two or three. Santana comes back and is just solid. You just glossed over Kyle Gibson's six hitless innings Lan- on wait, Saturday. I, no, no, I'm not done yet. Lance just gloss Lynn, over those. I'll continue to do so because you got Lance <laughs> Lynn. Let's say let's say Lynn slots in as your three or four, and then and then when Gibby gives you the six hitless with, by the way, five walks. Yeah. Then he you was still take, sharp though. But then you take that as your fifth starter, and now you have a rotation. That I can't think of the last time that we could have a conversation about when the Twins rotation was, and I say this very carefully, was potentially this strong. Well, here, so the, the numbers are eye popping. They had, uh, just from the starters alone, 21 innings, no runs allowed, no earned runs allowed, no runs, period, allowed. I don't think, I, Odorizzi went scoreless too. So no runs allowed, five hits allowed in those 21 innings, correct? And uh, about a strikeout per inning or so. And here's a factoid for you. 
Irvin Santana, he's he'll come back in like a month. If Phil Hughes joins the rotation here in the next week or two, all five starting pitchers in the Twins rotation are first-round draft picks. So the best-case scenario here would be you've got talent. You've got guys who were deemed at one point to be first-round caliber players by baseball evaluators. All of them, Brios is in a different category because he's he's still pretty young and, and sort of emerging into whatever he's going to become. The other four, you could all say for various, you know, whether it's coming off injury or just underperforming in their careers like Phil Hughes or even Jake Odorizzi as a former first-round pick. If this new pitching-centric and pitching-savvy organization and front office and you know the analytics department that they've beefed up, if all of those things, if that acts as a vehicle for a first-round draft pick five times over to sit in right and drive that car, and maybe it changes the way that they think about attacking hitters, maybe it changes the way that they strategize, you could see the water level rising for all five of those former first-rounders. And you did in the first series for three of them, for sure. And keep in mind, too, you're potentially... You're talking about a an executive staff now that can probably, or not probably, that can find pitching, identify it correctly, and continue to draft it. And so, we'll need yes. more than three games to make full determinations, but that's a hell of a way to start. Yes, and, Bar- and Barrios to me, though, see, the, the progression that he's made, as you watch it unfold, it makes sense. Two years ago, he comes up and he's sort of skittish. I mean, he had great stuff, but you watch him pitch a couple of years ago, and you're like, "Well, he's just the, the confidence is, isn't there yet. He's not developed." And then last year, he takes a step, and he, he's not fantastic consistently, but he he definitely settled down quite a bit and and improved. And so the nice th- thing about him is is his arc of improvement actually makes sense. It's not like Great start, awful start, awful start, great start. So if he continues on this, he he had there is a legitimate case to be made that he has the potential and the ability to be an ace. Not yeah. a staff ace, but like you said, an ace in baseball. Yes. And I mean Clayton Kershaw's in a different category the last six years, and there's like Corey Kluber, but the talent's there. In fact, yeah, yesterday there were two or three things. So I was listening to uh, Gladden and Provis for a while and bouncing around, you know, driving around family gathering and uh, and watching the broadcast for a while. And I thought, well, first of all, the breaking ball he threw to end the game to Adam Jones, that's just an unfair pitch to have. I mean, it's like it's like a cheat code. I'm going to start this pitch off with a really tight spin, belt high, inner half of the plate. And by the time you're done looking like an idiot swinging at it, it'll be in the dirt halfway into the left-handed batter's box. Good luck identifying it and laying off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then early in the game, it was actually the second, it was Machado, the second batter of the game. And and Bramer was wondering aloud, was he doing it on purpose? And I think the answer is unequivocally yes. Two seam fastballs riding in on the hands of Machado to back him off the plate, make him uncomfortable, and then away with other stuff to get him to weekly, you know, pop out or swing and miss, whatever it was. So just being able to bust inside to top hitters and approach the with works. comfort. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and then the other thing, too, Gladden pointed this out on the radio broadcast. It's a tribute to how great a pitcher is or how much opposing batters fear going deep into counts and getting to two strikes when they're trying to ambush you early. And in the first, second, third innings, Orioles hitters were first pitch swinging against Barrios, which, as Gladden pointed out, he's 100% right, means we don't want to get down 1-2 and two and 0-2 oh to this guy. Mm-hmm. We don't want to go deep in counts. There's a lot of pitchers, and the Orioles have a bunch of starters like this, where you're better off letting them just sort of back themselves into a 3-1 count, and then you get the pitch you want. Barrios 
yesterday anyways, wasn't going to do that. And so Orioles hitters were trying to ambush him early. And as a result, he's able to take advantage and throw pitches off the plate. Like it was, it was Picasso-like. It was brilliant. And hopefully for the Twins, it's a sign of what is to come this season for Barrios. And we don't don't see that much. So amen. It's about time. No, it, not with Twins pitchers. It's, it's about it's about time that you actually sit down and watch a Twins pitcher pitch like that, and you don't say, "Really? That's yeah. shocking." I yeah. mean, this is they, they've had they've had. I don't. Want to say that that they've not had some really decent pitchers, but Johan probably the last one, right? Who you sat down and watched and basically said that's a masterpiece. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, the, I, I'm curious to watch Kyle Gibson more than I'm. I'm, I'm almost curious. I think Barrios. I think he's going to be really good for his career. Yeah, I'm almost more curious to watch Kyle Gibson the next month or two to see if he can follow up on what he did at the end of last season, an off season of. Working with gurus in the Twins front office. Yep. Like that, I mean, Barrios, it piques your curiosity because, holy crap, he might just be one of the top pitchers in baseball now. Gibson, it's like, all right, this is a 30-year-old former first-round pick that on paper is a bust, but maybe doesn't have to finish as a bust because there's still some years left here. But uh, And by the way, we will get to Buntgate, too. I know that was a big talk. You wrote a column about this for 1500ESPN.com. Dozier leading... A small handful of Twins players in their post-game comments mad about Chance Cisco dropping a bunt down. Unwritten rules were broken, Phil. We will get to that at some point, but there's so many other things to dive into. Ding, ding. Ricky's first shot down the barrel. Stop and go dribble that hamstring. He's testing it early. Spins one in. Uh, how about that steal by Rubio? Pumped up the three. Nothing but neck. Ricky for three. He's got it. Found to Ricky. Wide open. Bang. Ricky three. Short. Yeah. So here's my yeah. here's my page of notes. I, I like to sit down, watch games, and take notes, okay? I finally wrote down, I believe this was uh early in the fourth. I finally just jotted down these three words. This is pathetic. Is that a drawing of someone just taking cyanide uh, down the windpipe? What is that? It should have been. Okay. But I finally just wrote down, this is pathetic. Your As, as uh, our, our guy Krasinski tweeted before tip yesterday, this was the Wolves' biggest game since they played the Lakers in Rubio's rookie season, which I believe is the game that, that, that he tore his knee up in. This is the Wolves' big, And you come out, and I get it that Teague didn't play. I get it that Jimmy Butler is still out. But you come out. And you play like that? No, and that is a big, like, missing 40% of your starters and one of the best players in the NBA is definitely, it's a worthwhile excuse to lose at home to a really good red-hot jazz team. But I'm with you. And this was the game that Ricky Rubio has been waiting for all year. I mean, he has, I think people probably overinflated and maybe still do Ricky Rubio's value. Like, he's a good point guard. He's not, I mean, Jeff Teague's had a, had a good year for the Wolves, too. It's so, but... He sat there and silently took the Wolves' BS all season. Going back to the end of October when Jimmy Butler made a big deal out of keeping him out of my locker room, right? Oh, after and the then they visit the Utah a month ago, and Jeff Teague shoulder checks him into the bench, mm-hmm. and he sits there silent just the, the entire time. He shows restraint, and he came out to his credit, and he bombed a bunch of threes last night. Uh, but when, when I watch Utah, and last night it was on full display, the Jazz are everything I want the Wolves to be. They are they're selfless, they're better coached, they move the ball more and better than the Wolves do. They play better defense. Uh they shoot better than the Wolves do. They play with this cohesive energy that you just 
you're dying for the Wolves to be that enthusiastic to walk onto, onto a basketball court on a nightly basis and, you know, play with each other and play for something bigger than well, just individual performances. Their defense is absolutely fantastic. But they look like they're playing, the Jazz play joy-filled basketball. The Wolves walk out every night for two and a half hours, and it's a chore, and they're being barked at, and they're mostly playing isolation offense, right? Like, it's just, the Jazz are a fun, joy-filled team to watch. It's everything you want the Wolves to be, and the Wolves just can't get there with Tom Thibodeau. The Jazz have also done something that's very important. They have progressed instead of regressed. On January 22nd, they were 19-28. and They were a mess. They have now won 25 of 30, including 14 of 15 on the the road in that time. The Wolves, if you think about it, now Butler's been hurt, and I believe they've missed Butler now at something like 16 games, and they're 8-8 in those games. But if you think about the Wolves recently, what have they done? Uh, They they beat Sacramento. They got beat by by Philly, which isn't bad, except they essentially no-showed that game. All right. Then they come home and play Memphis. They get beat by the Memphis Grizzlies. They go and play play the Hawks. Their star player scores, what, 56 points? They barely win. They barely win. And then they played a clunker of a game, but won on Friday night in Dallas. The point being is, you're not, you watch this team now. Yesterday's loss, while disappointing and surprising by the margin, is not shocking. You've been playing really poor basketball against really bad teams yeah, for a while now. You you were going to get beat like this. It's just disappointing because, as you said, you watched this team. And yesterday, for most of that game, Phil, they're going through the motions. Uh, they are. So they all. It, it was a. It was double bad fortune for the Wolves losing the way that they did. Obviously. But then Denver, which that was a swinging back and forth game. So they're trying to fend off Denver, who they have to play twice in the last week and a half. Denver was down early at home to the Bucks. They were down by like 15 early, came all the way back, took a double-digit lead, and then fell back down in the fourth quarter by like 15 or 17 points halfway through the fourth. Come all the way back to tie the game. They get fouled with like three seconds to go, down by three, from three. Dude knocks down all three free throws. They win the game in overtime. So I want. let's come back. I want to paint a couple scenarios for you. The Wolves are probably going to sneak in the playoffs, but it's far from a guarantee, especially if you look at the road ahead here the next week and a half. And I think it's pretty safe to say Tom Thibodeau is out of answers. We're going to have a little fun with some audio when we come back here, too. And a huge loss for the Wild over the weekend. We'll talk to Lindsey Whalen in about 45 minutes from now. Wetmore talking twins. Buntgate. We'll get to that. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back. Audio level full volume. It's showtime. On 1500 ESPN. Ricky's first shot down the barrel. Stop and go dribble that hamstring. He's testing it early. Spins one in. Uh, how about that steal by Rubio? Pumped up a three. Nothing but neck. Ricky for three. He's got it. Stop to Ricky. Wide open. Bang. Ricky three. Short. Yeah, he remains stoic the entire game, too. I love stoic, tough Ricky Rubio. I like the look now. With the long hair, the, long the tattoos, hair, yeah. edgy Ricky Rubio. Yeah, that's a nasty guy now. I you, like it. You haven't grown into a man until you grow your hair out, shave once every two weeks, and have tattoo sleeves Bad up boy and down Ricky. every limb. Uh, yeah, he's and he's good. Like It's a good fit. I think it's just a... It's a more fun team to watch because it is a worthwhile question to ask 
okay, they're the Wolves are probably going to make the playoffs. Percentage-wise, it's like 90% to make the playoffs. And it's the first time in a decade and a half, so why can't we just enjoy it with accepting the flaws? Like, the, obviously, they're not the Rockets or the Warriors, and they're frustrating at times, but it's the best thing we've seen on that court in 15 years, 14 years. To which I say, I've had more fun watching non-playoff Wolves teams. Well, I've had more fun watching Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio Wolves teams. It's just a joyless collection of eight or nine guys who, well, seven or eight who play on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're just like the Jazz are everything that you want the I Wolves think, to be. I think beyond um, beyond the the actual sitting down and watching the, the team, what dictates how you feel about that team is a demeanor too. And when a team looks as miserable from Tibbs on down, when a team looks as miserable as the Wolves look on a regular basis, it's hard to enjoy it. No, Nobody seems like they're having much fun. No, and, starting with and, the lead and that's singer wins on the too. sidelines. Yeah. That's wins, too. I mean, when Towns is en route to scoring 56 points, which is an incredible accomplishment, incredible night, and you don't see the head coach give any indication that he gives a damn, that's not a lot of fun to watch. And, and I'm not saying that Tibbs should be on the sideline dancing around like a clown, but what I am saying is, when's the last time you looked at that bench and thought, you know what, that's a collection of guys who really seem to to get along and are having fun? Well, and I'll take I'll take that and I'll spin it this way: Is there anything that leads you to believe that Tom Thibodeau connects with his players at all? Anything that makes you think players are hanging by every word that he says and soaking in the brilliance of Tom Thibodeau? I mean, like, when's, when's the last, I asked you this before the show, when's the last time at a game you're sitting media row or you're watching on TV, when's the last time you saw a player make eye contact with Tom Thibodeau? I told you. Other probably, than, like, briefly on accident. Probably Butler. Well, okay, Butler and Taj, let's take those guys right, out. Right, but that's about it. There's just no that's connection. It. But but that's why that's why he needs, to, in his mind, in Tibbs' mind, he needs to get players who know him and and who he knows because I think those are the only people that he's got a connection with. That that original sort of Chicago crew, I think it worked at some point there. But when you look at the young players now, there appears to be zero connection. Uh, we're gonna pl- we're gonna play a little game here. Right? I'm gonna quiz you because I I think Tom Thibodeau is completely out of answers for this team, and they're winning games. And if they get to the playoffs, it'll be solely because of talent. It'll be because of Heroic individual performances throughout the year. Jimmy Butler when he was healthy. Um, the Wolves' record with Jimmy Butler is a lot better, obviously, than when he's sitting out with an injury. Towns, 56 points. It's the, You look at the Jazz, and there's a lot of talent on that team, but it's it's the, what do they say, that the uh, the sum is greater than the parts. Like that's It's a cliche, but it's pretty obvious with the Jazz. The Wolves are the other way around, that the parts should equal something bigger even when Jimmy Butler is out. So I've got five sound bites that Dave Harrigan tracked down. We're going to play a little game here, Judd. All right. You're going to have to guess, is this a Tom Thibodeau generic quote criticizing his team? Yep. And you write down the teams here that they played against. Losses to the Jazz, Grizzlies, 76ers, Pacers, and Rockets. Mm-hmm. All right? All right. You have to match the soundbite to the team that they lost to. Okay, Jazz, Grizzlies, 76ers, Pacers, Rockets. You got it, all right? All right. We'll start with this one, okay? You want to build mental toughness that you can overcome whatever's in front of you, and that's what we have to do. If we want to do all the things that we say we want to do, 
we have to be mentally tough. All right, Men- mental toughness is the main reason why they lost oh, this game. Oh, he's mentioned mental Who toughness. Who did they play? No fewer than... Uh, da, 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 da. I w- I'm going to go with that was a loss to the Rockets. Oh, oh I was so at that close. game, too. I, I was at that presser. I swore that was it. So close. Uh, that was a loss to the 76ers. Okay, that was the 76ers. Okay, yeah, was, they lacked yep, mental Saturday toughness. Night. Yep. In that game. All right. All right. Let's try this one. You know, I'm disappointed with tonight, but they've fought hard with Jimmy being out. And you have to. When you're down a player like that, your only chance is with great intensity. Okay. Great intensity. Okay. I'm going to in what, in what go back. I'm going to go back. Now, Jimmy didn't play. So yeah, they I'm, going, it down. I'm going back to my first guess then, and I am saying that's the Rockets. You know, if you keep guessing the Rockets, you're going to get at least one right. Ooh, but not that one. That was Jimmy. That was Jimmy, and they did come back. You're in the right conference. That was actually last night's loss to Utah, where they lacked intensity. They just needed they needed mental toughness in that earlier loss. This one, they needed more intensity. Darn it. All right. Are you feeling okay here? You got three No, I'm left. very disappointed in myself. All right, let's try this one. We have to have a toughness to win. You know, you're down at Jimmy. You can't come out when you're shorthanded. You can't come out and just think you're going to go out there and, you know, and win without putting the work into it. That's got to be the Grizzlies. Got to be the Grizzlies. Oh, that's a really So what, what did they lack there? They lacked, was it toughness again? Yeah, toughness. Toughness got to put the work in. Yep. So work and, no, Jimmy the, again. Work and toughness. You can't throw the ball out there. Sorry, Judd. You're so close on these. It was the Pacers. Oh. That was back in October, too. Yeah, that was, was a long really? time ago. Yes, Jimmy was out for that game. October 24th? Yes. Oh, he missed a game in October? Yeah, no, a, they... Yeah, I had a couple here and there. He, he was okay? sick. No, they, they... He was sick? They got waxed back-to-back <laughs> nights, right? Pacers at home, Pistons on, on the road, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Jimmy was ill. Okay, so that was... Oh, I got duped so there. Hold on here. So job. they've lost games then, uh, according to those sound bites. Uh, toughness... Yep. Physically and mentally weak. Intensity was another thing, too. They just didn't bring enough intensity. Uh-huh. I'm definitely coming to Dave's side of this argument that Tom Thibodeau is just a hockey coach who happens to be in a suit and tie on a basketball sideline. All right, Judd, which team did the Wolves lose to when you listen to this Tom Thibodeau soundbite? Can you three. pinpoint it? All right. Yeah, when we were searching the whole game, so we need a lot of guys to step up. <laughs> and we didn't step up, and we didn't respond. All right, so in this case, they didn't step up. Oh. Guys just didn't step up. Oh, is that the Grizzlies? Yeah! Oh, I, got I got one! Which means this one is the only remaining. Oh. Disappointed in our team from this standpoint of, you know, to, you know, to when you're playing a team like that, you have to come in with an edge. Oh, an edge. They lacked an edge against the Rockets. So, That's what it was. So far, they lacked... couldn't It couldn't possibly be because they can't shoot a three or defend offenses that space. It's lack of edge. Too circular. You got to have a clean edge. <laughs> you do. So, a rhombus would have been a better... They've lacked edge. They've lacked toughness. They've lacked intensity. And what's the fourth one? I think the, I think there was two or three that were just about toughness. Okay. I found a couple other ones here too, just for fun. This is from the March eighth. This is I'll just read this one from the uh, post game clippings. The March eighth loss to the Celtics. Quote: Just got to play hard. Got to do your job. It's not something you talk about. It's something you do. Look at the actions. The words don't mean a lot. It's your actions. It's what you're actually doing, not what you're saying. So. Not following through on what you say you're going to do. They just need to act more and play harder. Do your job. I'm, yeah. You're, <laughs> you, he's so, he's out of answers. Out of answers. Well, uh, and, and has been for, the problem is, has been for a few months, actually. 
Like, listen. If to you me. listen to those comments, I mean, you, can, you can literally just. I'm just going to roll through. I'm going to. I'm going to blend a bunch together right. from different games. This is Tom Thibodeau explaining. Well, pretty much explaining that he can't connect with his players. You want to build mental toughness that you can overcome whatever's in front of you, and that's what we have to do. It's if we want to do all the things that we say we want to do, we have to be mentally tough. We have to have a toughness to win. You know, you Don Jimmy, you can't come out when you're shorthanded. You can't come out and just think you're gonna go out there and you know and win without putting the work into it. I mean, we were searching the whole game. So we need a lot of guys to step up. Disappointed in our team from this standpoint of, you know, to, you know, to when you're playing a team like that, you have to come in with an edge. Dude. You know what I want? I figured out my next job. Tibbs postgame speech writer. That's my next job. Because he's not introducing all the words he could. Where's grit? If you're going to go with toughness, intensity, what and edge. What about forechecking? What about forechecking? Where, where's grit? You've got it. Do, don't you have to incorporate grit here in one of those post-game comments? I'm sure he has. I'm sure if we did a search through the Timberwolves post-game quote archive. But, sure. I mean, let's let's complete this thing. Let's do it right. If we're, if we're going to go puck on this thing, let's do it. We got grit. We got greasy. We got to be more greasy. More greasy baskets. I mean, energy is always a good one, too. <laughs> How about go to the basket? Go to the net. Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Wiggins, Wiggins the other night took 17 shots and zero free throws a couple nights ago. Can't remember. It might have been the Mavericks game. Against the Mavericks. Let me tell you right in. now. No, We've no, lowered deep, the ball so Defense. So. Li- listen, I saw Fox Sports North to start the game last night. Wiggy played great defense in, in that game. Well, that's what Fox Sports North said. They told me that. Uh, that's how far we've lowered the bar, by the way, where... Like I woke up to a bunch of tweets and I watched the whole game too and thought, yeah, he was okay. They played the Mavericks and he had, and he played with some enthusiasm. Well, but he shut down Harrison Barnes. Okay, first of all, Harrison Barnes. <laughs> Second of all, Harrison Barnes still scored like twenty points in that game, you know, on eight of eighteen shootingers. It wasn't Wiggy he didn't does, lock him down. Wiggy does so many things that you don't understand, Phil. Good. If you just understood all that Andrew does, but this is more. This is a Tom Thibodeau. I'm not going to drag Andrew Wiggins' name through the mud here. Tom Thibodeau, can you imagine? Being in that locker room, and Taj Gibson has now started to come out and sort of retaliate, a guy that has been in Tom Thibodeau's corner for a long time. And uh, I can't remember which game it was. It was uh, one of their last three or four losses. And Tom Thibodeau questioned toughness and all those things. It might have been the Memphis game. And Taj Gibson came out, again, talking to the media and said, we've won 40-plus games. It's not a toughness issue. It's other things, like it's assignments, and it's, yes, it's specifics. Do you think the Rockets, do you think Mike D'Antoni strategizing the Rockets offense talks about fortitude and toughness and edge? No, they talk about spacing and three points Tip, and back no. cuts see, but here, here, and ball movement. Here's the Tibbs problem. Tibbs can't see that that these guys basically either don't care about his defensive philosophy, aren't listening. Tibbs believes in his heart, I think, that he's doing a great job of teaching and they're not tough enough to execute it. So, so he's, so he's blaming of, them. Yes. Despite, so, so he's that's he, what this is. If they here's the thing, it's very simple. If you're right, if he is in 2018, if he is a modern defensive genius, which he, which I'll give him this, he was 10 years ago for sure with the Celtics as an assistant coach, and and I'll even give him 2010 through like 2013 with the Bulls. Now the NBA has changed a lot even in those five years. So. It's either A, he's no longer a defensive genius because the game has just evolved too much and he hasn't, or B, 
he still is a defensive genius, but can't communicate it to grown men who are rejecting his message or ignoring it. So either he's a bad teacher or he hasn't evolved as a defensive mind or or both, some yes. combination of both. And in his mind, he's a great teacher. In his mind, his system works perfectly, and they're not tough enough to execute that system. But then, okay, that's what he's thinking. But he's the one that put those players. I in understand there. that. If Jamal Crawford isn't capable of defending in the way that Tom Thibodeau wants him to, or Carl Anthony, well, he didn't draft Towns. Let's go Jamal Crawford. Um, let's go Jeff Teague. That's on you as a general man or as a president of basketball operations. Right. Just, so everything. Everything points back to Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. But it feels like in his postgame comments, he's like stiff arming the team and the saying, players. I mean, you guys just aren't talking. And now enough. here's your problem. Who comes downstairs and talks to Tom? Nobody. Well, well nobody. I mean, there's Glenn, nobody. But there's Glenn no. Taylor does, but it's 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 to tell him to stop yelling, uh, you know, <laughs> expletives in front of his uh, wife. Families and yeah, exactly. Yeah, but there's no but there's nobody to come downstairs to Tom and say, Tom, your system's not working. Let's talk about the why. Disappointed in our team. From this standpoint of, you know, to, you know, to when you're playing a team like that, you have to come in with an edge. You want to build mental toughness. We have to have a toughness. God, an edge, toughness. He's, he's missing. Be tough. he's, he's completely missing grit. He is completely missing grit. Oh, a gritty goal. Greasy baskets. That's what you need if you're the Wolves. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Suter broke his leg this weekend. <laughs> it was a great weekend, but. Aside from not the ideal. Twins, it was a really good weekend for Minnesota sports. So we'll talk about that. Lindsey Whalen will join the show at 10 o'clock today. The women's Final Four over the weekend was unbelievable. To anyone who rips women's basketball, like if you haven't watched the Lynx and the Sparks or Notre Dame and UConn and Mississippi State, uh, that was amazing over the weekend. So we'll talk about that with Lindsey Whalen and Wolf stuff. And then later on, Derek Wetmore on Twins, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight. He's He's kind of an open book. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Tough one for us. And I'm, you know, I don't think I need to explain. Maybe we all understand how important he is for our team. and You know, you don't like to see when your teammates, or anybody for that matter, uh, go down like that. Next guy up, we'll just have to do it. I mean, it's just, uh, you have no, uh, there's there's no crying about it. It just has to get done. So, what, so he jammed toughness. his leg into the... Toughness, that's the key. It uh, is. So he yes. sooner jammed his leg into the boards. Yes, he and was. broke his leg. Well, it, it's, a, it's a little bit weirder than that. He was being uh, checked into the end boards behind his own net, and the Dallas player starts to hit him before he gets to the boards. And so it looked like his skate sort of got caught. And if you watch the replay in slow-mo, you can see the leg sort of buckle a little bit. Yeah. And I think that is where the, the reports are that he has a broken fibula. We're going to get more on that today and I'm not sure if they're going to give a timetable or not but uh but he's like not I think it's I think it's safe to say that Ryan Suter season is done so he won't even yeah and unless it's a six to eight week thing and you go really deep in the playoffs uh, or something and therein lies the problem and Jared Spurgeon has a partially torn hamstring uh that it's it'll be three weeks uh tomorrow since he tore it that was put at at least a month. He hasn't started to skate yet. So let's just say if uh, Spurgeon and Suter don't play in the first r- round of the playoffs, I think the Wolves m- might have a better chance of uh, taking their opening round series than the Wild. I, well, that's not true. If the Wolves play the Rockets in the first round, I'm kidding. Ho- hockey I, is I'm, hockey. I'm kidding, but okay. it's still a huge long shot. You you are taking out 
two absolutely instrumental players. I, I've said that I believe that uh, Spurgeon is actually your best defenseman this year, but Suter was playing an average of 27-plus um, minutes per game, or 26-47 per game. They combined for 36 power play points. So it's going to be very, very difficult if both both are out, and Suter being out alone is a huge Boy. deal. So they um, there's 10 teams, I think, still alive in the Western Conference. If they even just get a point or two, they're in, right? I think they're the going, and I think they'll get in. What yes. if they go? So they have four games left. I mean, they're going to get a, they're going to get at least a worst case scenario. They're going to go to overtime and get a, you know, yeah. get a moral the, victory point or something, right? So they're in three point games, baby. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, boy, that is uh, this is a new way because I I think if Suter were healthy and the way that the way that Zucker has come on, you felt pretty good. This team might be able to do some damage. Maybe not the favorite by any means in the Western Conference, but it just buzz kills it. This is the I think this is the best I've felt about a wild team at this point in the season in at least two years, maybe three. And now that you're without your two best blue liners, felt, or, well, Dumba's in that mix too. But yeah, yeah, and and I felt pretty good about them last year going in. I didn't feel fantastic, but that that was a very good team. It's just that, that this team had started to gel and was playing well. And I I like Dumba and I like Brodine, but if you take uh, Suter and Spurgeon out. It makes it damn near impossible. And people say, well, if Dubnik gets hot, well, okay, if Dubnik gets hot, that's great. But but the odds of Dubnik becoming that hot with his top two defensemen out become a bit more difficult. It makes it harder. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be, yeah, this is, um, this is, if you could have picked one, guy, basically one or two guys not to get hurt. Suter was near the top of that. Well, list. since we're painting uh, doomsday scenarios for our basketball and hockey teams here, just for fun. The schedule for the Wild, so they they finish the well they get Edmonton at home tonight. So you sh- you should in theory take care take care of business at home against Edmonton tonight. But then, but your last three games, which all start at nine o'clock or nine thirty, uh, late start times Central Time here, Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose. It's a West Coast road trip, and one of those is a back to back Thursday Friday or uh, Wednesday Thursday. And all three of those teams are playoff desperate right now. All three haven't clinched. All three are looking to either get in or jockey for position in some way. And so the Ducks you, are playing great. So you're not. And gonna, all three are good. You're not going to get teams just sort of laying down no. for you. No, you're um, not. Like maybe Edmonton tonight, but even them. I mean, it's you can't consider that a pushover either. So it just getting points against these next four opponents is going to be challenging. And there's a lot more on the line because if you don't get points, and Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, if those teams do get points, there's wild card ramifications. Yeah. It's going to be. It's going to be a grind this week. I think they make it, but uh, I think after that, it's extremely difficult. You're going to play the Jets, who are a very good team. Without Suter, now, let's see. So your top defensive pair becomes probably Dumba and Brodeen. That's, as I said, that, that's a ton to ask. That is a ton. Brodeen is a very solid player, and Dumba's improving. But Dumba, when you put him with Suter, can play pretty well. And with Brodini, he's not bad, but now you're talking about one or two mistakes can absolutely kill you. Uh, you are. Here's the math on this now. So uh, Wild in third place in the Central at 96 points. They are three points up on Colorado. Which blew a, a two-goal lead to the Ducks last night and lost in OT, so they got one point instead of two. Yeah, and four points up on St. Louis. They also have a game in hand over Colorado, so it, it looks like they're going to get that third spot in the Central Division. They won't have to worry about the wild card battle, but... You know, stranger things have happened. They still might. They still might. And uh, 
The Ducks are, are now a team, the team in the Western Conference that I would love to face, and the Wild won't, the Golden Knights. I think Vegas is ripe to go out first round. The team that I most, the the team that is going to sneak in or or go into to the playoffs that I would absolutely have no interest in playing, the Ducks. The Ducks were hurt for a lot of the year, had key players out. I think they're all back now. They've got some goaltending, and they're tough. The Ducks would be a team that I would have no interest in playing. That's that's the type of club like the Predators last year that I'm not going to be surprised one bit if they they make a substantial run because that's a really good team. Yeah, it's a good playoff team too. Boy, this is a this has been a bummer aside from the Twins. The Twins are this the, are sort of the of saviors right now, and uh, hopefully they can continue. But by the way, weather check in Pittsburgh. It looks like, so there's a bunch of snow, Pennsylvania and east, and then more snow coming today here. So it's just going to be a crappy week for baseball. But uh, Byron Buxton was just on, we're watching MLB Network here, and and they were live at PNC Park. He had a stocking cap on, it was sunny, Mm -hmm. and there was no snow on the field. So it looks like they're going to play today at noon against the Pirates. I don't think they're going to get snowed out today. The Yankees-Rays game already got snowed out Yeah, this morning. Yeah, this is going to be... Well, and I saw opening day on Thursday. I believe it's supposed to be the last uh, Channel 5 eyewitness news forecast I saw. supposed to be a beautiful 37-degree day or something like that. It won't be above 40 until next week. No. Yeah, it's so. Be. So, do the Twins go Thursday off Friday? Yes, the plan. For the built-in day, they, which well, I think is going to be colder than Thursday, so you're not going to want to take that day. So, they go Monday in Pittsburgh today, off tomorrow... And then Wednesday, they play again in Pittsburgh. Thursday at home, off Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, right? High temperatures, 36 Thursday, 32 Friday, 35, 38 for the weekend. Go get them. Not accounting for wind chill, by the way. Go get them. I love the Dome. Why did they have to rip the Dome down? I always (laughs) said the Metrodome was a great ballpark. Well, You know what's ridiculous? So Pittsburgh is northern enough. Like, Pittsburgh, it's not Miami, right? It's not San Diego. Uh, It's not Texas or... So if you're going to have interleague games first week of April, why put two northern cold climate cities against I've each other? Brought this up because what if like there's a snowstorm moving through the entire upper portion you know of the I country feel? right now? So if you get both those games snowed out, when do you make them up? So if you're going to go interleague, and I get that it's you're playing the NL Central, so there's only so many options, but just push the games to later in the year, the interleague games. Phil, this is the same league that what three or four years back. Had the Miami Marlins come to Target Field in April, and the Twins go play the Marlins in Miami in June? Yeah, it's weird. That's all you need to know about this league. Easily could have flip flopped that. How Schedule's you... already made. Let's just flip flop yeah. those two. Hey, you know what? Might be a really bad idea to have the Miami Marlins go up to Minneapolis to play in April. Yeah. Ah, but you know what? The hell, we'll do it. Uh, open phone lines. This next segment. If you want to rant about our winter sports teams, <laughs> oh, or if you want to praise. Our summer sports team that just uh, ripped off some nice pitching performances. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Judd, Prime Mortgage Lending, go. Yes, well, while our our winter sports teams were a buzzkill, I want to talk to you about something that's not, and that is my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. I want to talk to you about Prime because the key here is this. This isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. And now you're saying, okay, that sounds great, Judd, but what what does that mean exactly? It means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first and explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. This is about 
Two key words. This is about teamwork, and it's about collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. The example, did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but I'll say it again. They could actually pay them for you. And now you're saying that sounds fantastic, Judd, but where do I go to find out more information? I want to send you to this website, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T.com. Back after this. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Here we go! On 1500 ESPN. Join Manny Hill and 1500 ESPN at Uptown Tavern in Minneapolis, 730 to 930 tonight. It is our final Ultimate College Basketball Tournament viewing party. Championship game going on tonight. Basketball prizes galore. One last chance to either brag or complain about your bracket. And you've got the fantastic beer specials. It's all sponsored by Dos Equis. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Oh, I had a good short breaking ball. Uh, pitched up in the zone and down with a fastball. Uh, good changeup. Very much like uh, Gibson last night in a lot of ways. But uh, he was solid. And we uh, called all three pitchers on top of their game. He had only thrown, I think, five innings. It was his top all spring, but his pitch count was so low. It was good, man. It was really good. Buck Walter showering praise on Jose Barrios, too. Hard not to after yesterday, isn't it? <laughs> kind of like Gibby. You ever hear that before? How about that? Barrios reminds me of somebody. I just... Super Gibson. just like lights out, ace caliber, just like Kyle Gibson. Gibby. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Gibson, I, I couldn't help but think of Anthony Swarzak's comments a couple weeks ago when we read those quotes about how for 10 years the Twins wanted him sinker slider, uh, nine inning complete game, 90 pitches, and just let your fielders do all the work, and how Gibson was probably indoctrined into that same mentality for at least the first few years of his Twins career. Minor leagues, you took a guy who was a mid-first-round draft pick, through in the mid '90s with movement, what is he six foot four? Ton of ton of downward plane when he pitches too. So he's like he can generate swings and misses, but it's almost like he was taught to not do that throughout his early Twins career. To pitch to contact, like when you watch Kyle Gibson, a guy who's that tall who throws mid '90s with movement and has two or three off speed pitches that he can mix in, you know, depending on how much command he has, he should get swings and misses, and he did. Like he. He, he, he's now had a full year, year and a half to work with Derek Falvey, Thad Levine's new, you know, whatever, uh, analytics department and philosophies. He should be a guy that you can rely on to miss bats on a regular basis. He did in the minor leagues just based on, you know, sheer talent. It takes more than that in the big leagues. Um, but, like, he doesn't, he hasn't had an out pitch that he can hang his hat on. And he complains when he gives up these seeing eye singles that, oh, you know, if it wasn't for that bleeding, the, seeing eye single, well, dude, miss a bat once in a while, and he did that he against Baltimore. On, on his face after those, when he turns around with that disgusted look like, I can't believe that happened. Well, Gibby, you didn't pitch that well consistently. Right, exactly. But but the great thing about this, the the top thing is, if he's good, that's fantastic, that's great. And if he's not, easily replaceable now. That's, that's what I like about the depth of the staff. You no longer say... Kyle Gibson's flaming out. This is a huge problem. Who's going to be the number three starter? You say, okay, if he's not pitching well, he just gets replaced. That's the depth of this pitching staff. 
uh, once they once they sign Lynn to me is is the upside here because if you get somebody hurt and or a guy like Gibson struggles, mm-hmm. it's no longer basically a death knell. Yeah, Fernando Romero starting at AAA. The AAA rosters just came out. They just uh, emailed them out like a half hour ago. And so Fernando Romero, who's it's it's kind of a tie between him and Steven Gonzalez, who the best pitching prospect has been the last couple of years. But Romero looked much filthier in spring. He's got better stuff than Gonzalez, and he's starting at AAA. So my guess is I don't think they're going to want to throw him like 180 innings this year, but there's a pretty good chance if he starts lights out in April and May that he'd be the first guy to call on. You see him in June? You just bring him right up. He's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, other things that stood out over the weekend on a, on a positive note for the Twins, Max Kepler took great at-bats all three games. Uh, the question for him is going to be left-handed pitching, but it's great to see him mashing right-handers. A home run, at least one double, maybe two doubles. Home run on Saturday, right? And took a a big boy at bat. Was it in the? Uh, well, the big boy at bat was in the the game on Thursday last week, where he drew that like ten pitch walk. Or whatever, but, yes, fantastic. but he looked great. Byron Buxton has been a mixed bag, but he's got a few hits and he's driving the ball up the middle, line drives to right field. So and he's already stolen a couple bases. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot to complain about. Not a lot to complain about. I, Derek and I on the Touch Mall podcast yesterday, he did pose the question. Are you worried about Lomo at all, who's looked really, really rough in the first three games? And I say, no, he's a feast or famine hitter. He's going to go through stretches where he hits yeah. a bunch of home runs. It's three cold games. I yeah. wouldn't be he's concerned a, about He's it. a 240 hitter who has played in Miami and, and Tampa. Sano, Sano is is going to, to hit a ton of home runs, and he is going to strike out an absolute boatload again, which is not a surprise. He struck out, did he strike out, was it eight times in, in the series, I believe? That sounds right. Two home runs and eight strikeouts, I think. That sounds about right. That's not going to change. But that right there, if that's going to be him, then that's valuable. You'll take a guy who's going to hit 35 or 40 home runs. Absolutely. Like, you'll never turn that down. But if he's going to strike out 35% of his plate appearances, he's telling you, I'm just a power hitter. I'm not really interested in doing anything in terms of flirting with MVP awards or... Um, hitting 300. I'm not, yeah. not going to be a big on-base machine necessarily. That's He's telling you who he is if that's the case. Two home runs, eight strikeouts, 14 at-bats, four strikeouts on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be him. Yeah. Um, I wish the Twins could hit in that ballpark on a regular basis too because everything goes out. I mean, like, remember when J.J. Hardy left Target Field and then went to Camden Yards and hit 30 bombs in the first year? And that was partially he got healthy and just went to a – probably a better organization at that point. Mm-hmm. But it's also, if you hit a pop-up or anything to the alley, it goes out in that stadium. It's insane. Like, opposite field, you just get that little jet stream oh, to travels, right yeah. center field, yep. and the ball goes out. Uh, what else stood out to you over the weekend? Uh, the Kepler thing was, was my top thing, because I think he's going to come back and be really, really good. And I, he he struggled against lefties last year, but I still see his approach. I think it's pretty good. I, I think he's learning. He do, he doesn't strike me as a kid though that's gonna like reach a certain ceiling and then give up or not be his at bats uh, starting with the one that we talked about on Thursday in the ninth that was really impressive to mm-hmm. me because that's yeah. a that's a tough approach eleven pitches a walk a bunch of a really good uh, uh, 2 to start the a bunch of too. yeah o two and then fouled off a bunch of pitches mm-hmm. that was as far as encouraging signs at the plate that that was the top to me Barrios. Pitching wise, easily because this is, 
I don't think this is a fluke, and and it's one game. I get it, but I really think that the progression he's making is real. We're just not used to seeing pitching performances like this. We're just no. it's our our it's it's just like Vikings quarterbacks. Our goggles are. Well, you on. know what the 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 Gibson start we're used to. Six innings, no hits, five walks. Oh, okay, that's great. You know, he might be developing, but you don't know. I think for him, it's almost the opposite. I mean, he's he's had some walk issues, but he's been he's been one of the most hittable pitchers in baseball. Right. So to watch him go through six with no hit stuff is very new. But my point my point with with him being that that is somewhat impressive, but you're still not quite sure. The Burial starts, I think, for for the most part, are going to build on themselves, and what you're going to see is starts that that we have not seen. Since Santana. Johan, not Irv. Well, both. Well, Irv is good last year. But he, I, but Johan's starts were starts that you didn't want to miss. Well, on, on Irv. How about that? Right. Uh, I agree on Barrios, too. Uh, Buxton's at bats I don't want to miss. Barrios, I don't want to miss pitches from him. And Irvin Santana, the numbers may have looked ace-like last year. Barrios has far better stuff than Irvin Santana, but Irvin Santana is just such a pitching mastermind that he's able to, I mean, he's able to get into situations and find that one pitch he needs or runners on second, third, one out and get that pop up that he needs because he's just been doing it for so long. But Irvin Santana is a number three at, at age 34, 35. He's like a number three starter. Right. Um, so to me, if Barrios is good, if this is Barrios' staff now, if if this is the new Jose Barrios, it's, then this is his staff. It's been a long time since in, in this town you, you picked up the paper, saw the pitching form, and saw if a certain guy is starting, you, you were going to watch that game for sure. It's been a very long time. That's disrespect to Kevin Correa, but okay. And Pelf. I will and not Big tolerate Pelf. your Vance well, Worley you disrespect were, like that. If you did that be, because you were a masochist, then I completely get it. Yeah, I will not tolerate this blatant disrespect of Scott Diamond either. I got to watch this Pelf start just to see how bad it's going to be. <laughs> Four hours, 13 runs. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, a long time. Let's come back with Lindsey Whalen. We'll talk some hoops. Uh, some of the... I would say two of the best basketball games I've seen all year were in the women's Final Four this weekend, too. So I don't know if... I think the ratings will will come out sometime today, and I'm guessing probably some of the most watched women's college basketball games in uh, the history of ESPN televising the Final Four. So we can do that. We'll talk some Wolves and other items. Uh, Lindsey Whalen Radio, we'll call it, when we come back.